What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 16 of Between Two Tackles. I'm your host, Alex Spinelli, and alongside me, as always, are my two good friends, Ray Volo and Dean Montalbano. With the draft now in the review mirror, boys, we did it. Um, today, we're doing our winners and losers from the entire draft. Um, and then at the end of the pod, we'll do everybody's best pick or favorite pick of the night, and then everybody's worst or most interesting pick, if we'll we'll call it that. We'll be nice to some teams. Um, fellas, how are we feeling? <laughs> Feel fucking great. Um, you know, can finally uh, have a sigh of fresh air that it's over. But... Is that a thing? Yeah, <laughs> I think so. <laughs> a sigh oh. of fresh air? No, it's been <laughs> That's another it's one. Not a real... <laughs> I need to do a whole segment on things Dean says. It's just like I wasn't even thinking it. I was just I was just thinking of Jermaine Johnson at 26 and getting like absolutely torqued about it. A yes. segment on Dean's brain would be uh I think that'd be killer. I should not be held liable about I shouldn't be held liable about anything I say. I do want to say though, I don't know what it is. Ray's got a new angle rocking tonight. He's out in the basement and my boy looks hit as fuck. <laughs> I, when you were doing the opening Ray, remarks, I was Ray looks like a little sour. for the for the listeners at home, Ray looks a little sour right now. He's like, oh yeah, sour right now, is. right? We're doing winners and losers, and I'm yeah. sorry to spoil and rain on your parade, but the Jets are a fucking winner. So yeah, perk up winner. Exactly. Perk the fuck up. Been a long day, man. Long fucking day. My hangover, I feel like just passed yesterday. It's just, it's been brutal. You didn't snap any necks at, at Jits? Dude, fucking, it was like 95 degrees in the gym today. I would, I started sweating during warm ups. It was fucking miserable. Love it. Yeah. All right. So let's get into it. Uh, we're going to start with Dean. Uh, we're just going to do our winners first. Dean, who do you got as your first winner? Uh, before I get into the winner, how, did I not say breathe a sigh of relief? No, no. I think you said a sigh said, of fresh you air. Said, you said a, a sigh of fresh air. I'll breathe the two different air. Oh are, my gosh! Are, I meant sigh of relief. I swear to God, I thought I did. But uh, okay, could have been a breath of fresh air. You, you just oh my god! Two. I went okay, okay. That that's 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 okay then. It's not that big of a deal. I guess so. It makes me feel better about it. I just I just wanted to make sure. Okay, right. cool. Um, let's get to my first winner. My first winner. It has to be the Chiefs. They flat out killed it. They really did. I, I, I'm going to start at the top. 21 with McDuffie out of Washington, the cornerback. Listen, I was not as high on McDuffie, you know, as everyone else, but I really believe they got a solid value there at 21, and he's a pivotal, pivotal need on this roster. Even though he isn't, I would say, as physical as, you know, Spags probably wants, I know he loves physical receivers. He even did a few interview, uh, interviews on why he thinks it's pivotal for his defense. Uh, I just feel like McDuffie will make up for it in his versatility, which his versatility truly has the fit to any scheme. Uh, then they got an absolute steal. Uh, my top 16th player, my top six, my 16th overall player uh, in George Karloftis at 30, the Greek freak. And again, another glaring need opposite Frank Clark, the uh, the edge out of Purdue. And then Mahomes can most likely thank the Pats for their debacle at 50, which we will definitely get into for his new best friend at 30 at, at, that they picked at 54. And that's Sky Moore, a speedy, shifty slot that will, without a doubt, lessen the blow that 
you know, of Tyreek's of Ty Freak's departure, I would definitely say. They also got my third best linebacker in the draft somehow at 103 with Leo Chanel. Don't give me that fucking face, Ray. We did a linebackers and Leo Chanel was my third linebacker. Do you want to say something else? I mean, I was just confused who you were going to say. And I mean, it makes sense that you, cause you were wrong. So it's just whatever. It's just a terrible third <laughs> linebacker. Fucking brutal. Okay. Christian Harris second. What was it? Second or third? You fucking first. idiot. It was first. That's way worse. Anyway, I'm just, I'm but anyway, anyway, Leo Chanel just bodies more than anyone in this draft offensive lineman at the second level. And he's a, he'll be a pivotal middle of the field pick and he'll be great and a weapon in run game. I really think that that's why he was third on my board, but uh, you know, I will, uh, I'll continue. They also address needs at safety with Brian cook, physical, physical tackler. I like that with honey badger gone. And I mean, Listen, we weren't very hard on Darian Kennard. I mean, Ray somehow mocked him like 20-something in our first mock because he's obviously an idiot. But the tackle and most likely going to be a guard at in the NFL out of Kentucky, he should not have been at 145. I'm, I'm assuming it had to be something that we don't know, whether it's interviews or a medical, but that's way too low for him. Overall, this draft was just highway robbery just value all over the place. I'll just round out what, what they got. They also got 135 cornerback, Joshua Williams, 243. They got cornerback Jalen Watson. So really emphasizing cornerback in this draft, which I think is a great idea. They went three total running back Isaiah Pacheco out of Rutgers at 251 and safety Nazee Johnson at 259. Yeah. I mean, I think they're clear winners, obviously a team, uh, that is ready again to, to make the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl. Um, obviously, the Tyree kill um, trade happened, and they're looking for weapons, and, and Sky Moore being there for them um, is just unbelievable, honestly. I couldn't believe he got all the way past some of those teams that were wide receiver needy. Um, and I liked the move, and honestly, you didn't even hit on the best part of their whole draft, honestly, is that they traded up with the Patriots and then the Patriots took Cole Strange um, in, that, <laughs> in that spot. Yes, yes, yes. Um, they did trade so, up from 29 to get McDuffie. But uh, I'm, I'm completely with you. I think adding McDuffie, Karloftis, and Sky Moore um, is enough to be a, a, a great draft for a team that is loaded with talent and is loaded with Patrick Mahomes. So, uh, Ray, you agree? Was Patrick Mahomes would load me up. Yeah, I mean it's a pretty good. It was a good draft, but let's just let's not get it twisted. Dean's a fucking Chiefs dick rider. They could have missed, they could have not submitted their picks like three times in a row. And they could have made it a, 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 their best draft. So let's be real. That's uh, fair. I mean they, that they did get Carl Loftus. Carl Loftus at thirty, I think, was good value, honestly. And they they needed somebody along that edge. Um, I know we we had talked about possibly them taking like a gap year with Ojabo in that spot. I thought that could be a, a possible landing spot for him, but um, got a guy that can make an impact right away. Um, so they're, they're ready to go. I love it. Um, so we'll move on to Ray with his first friend with his first winner. Ray, who you got? Um, the first team we're going to talk about, I'm going to talk about the Texans. Uh, I was pleasantly surprised with their draft. Uh, it starts one, three, even though he wasn't my number one corner, Derek Stingley, it was a home run swing from a team that loves to build back the front. Uh, he's got as much talent as anyone in this draft. Let's be real. Uh, a true like press man corner 
He's got the athleticism. He's got, the, he's got adequate size. Um, in three years, we can look back and be like, holy shit, like they really fucking knew what they were doing. He, he, he'd be a top five corner in the league. And then at 115, uh, Dean's boy, or one <laughs> first round 15th overall pick, Dean's boy, Kenyon Green. Um, another one, he was my uh, interior offensive lineman three, but he can kick out the right tackle if their team's ever in a bind. This is a team that really needed to improve their run game. And uh, he's going to help that immediately. Uh, all the talent in the world, five-star recruit. Um, I know that a lot of people uh, like after the draft were saying that he has like a little knee thing. So let's hope that doesn't come back to bite them. But still, I, he he's if he stays healthy, he's going to be a really good guard, probably a pro Bowl level for like a decade. He'll make a couple pro Bowls. Let's not say every year, but he's he's got so much talent. And then um, their first pick in the second round, 37, Jalen Petrie. I know we're all a fan of him. Um, uh, he's a great safety slot corner, great tackler. I think he had like, what, like 18? He like led the Big 12 in tackles for losses last year. Him and Christian Harris, who they got at uh, in the third round, pick 75, those are just two great space players. They're going to make that defense more athletic, more talented, better tacklers immediately. I love both those picks combined. That defense is going to be flying around the ball. And then at 44, John Mechie. Uh, this is an underrated pick for me. I really liked his tape uh, at Alabama. He's coming off that torn ACL, so he's not going to be someone who contributes right away. But um, he's going to be, he'll come back probably by mid year and he's going to be a good target. And I think he'll probably eventually take over that role that Brandon Cooks uh, has recurrently. And then at, in the fourth round, pick 107, Damian Pierce. I believe he was my running back four or five. Let me just double check that. If I can find my running back rankings, I don't know where they are. So, oh, wait, here they are. Yeah, running back four. Uh, he's probably not going to start right away, if I had to guess, but he'll be a third down back just solely because of his pass protection. They're going to they're gonna be down a lot, so he'll be in the game a lot too, helping protect uh, Davis Mills back there. I think he is going to start, honestly. You think so? Yeah. I don't know. I feel like dude, they, still have, they still have Rex, right? Yeah, but I think uh, they were looking. They they signed somebody else too. I think, but yeah, I think yeah. they were looking for for somebody with more juice. Um, but I think he's going to be on the field a lot. Like, you oh said. yeah, yeah, he's he'll get his he'll get his snaps definitely. I don't know. If, I'm just saying that I don't think he's going to be their day one workhorse from the start. But by 2023, he'll have that job secured up. He's easily the most talented uh, player in that backfield, and he's got the youth too. And he was underutilized in uh, Florida, so he's got a lot of tread on those tires. Uh, Marlon Mack was the running back they signed, but let's be real. Uh, I think his best football is probably uh, behind him. And then to round out their draft, three guys who I don't not too familiar with, to be honest with you, uh, Thomas Booker, Tegan Quintar- Quintariano, I think he's a tight end, and Austin Deckelis. I'm sorry? You can try that again if you want. I don't want to, so. Uh, that's fine. But don't you look stupid. Uh, but, but yeah, this is just an underage draft. I think they got like four or five uh, core people that they can build around and just make their team a little bit better. Uh, to be honest, I don't think they're going to compete anytime soon, and they could be looking shopping in that quarterback market next year. But at least this gives them a solid base to surround uh, to either build with Davis Mills' talent or surround that next quarterback that they get next year. Yeah, I completely agree. I think, um, kind of like you said too, like. Taking Stingley at three and then taking Green at 15, like maybe they overdrafted these guys. But these guys are good football players, and that's 
just what they needed. They got they got six guys. Those top six picks are all good football players. They're all going to contribute day one. Um, and what what do they have next year in terms of of draft capital? Do you know off the top of your head? Uh, I'm not. I mean, they have at least two. They have at least two ones, right? And I think they've got a two there too. So I really like to setting themselves up. And I honestly think Davis Mills is is a good player, and hopefully he plays well, and they won't have to waste any of those picks on quarterbacks next year. Um, and they could turn this thing around pretty quickly. They got a lot of impact guys. They really did. They really did. Dean, you like you like this draft for uh, for Houston too. Yeah, no, it was definitely surprising. And I think you guys really hit it on the head with, you know, I wouldn't have taken Stingley at three. That's that's very obvious. He wasn't even my corner two, but uh, he was my corner three. But everything Ray said was spot on. We could all look like absolute idiots for, you know, I guess you could say disrespecting him. I think it's warranted, but, you know, we'll move on. Kenny Green is the boy. You get him at 15. That. I love surefire picks, especially for teams that are full on rebuilding. Just, you know, they did. A, I like that pick extra because Stingley was at three, you know, get a sure guy there, a high floor guy. And I definitely agree. Obviously we all love Petrie. It, yeah. I, whatever Ray said was, was pretty spot on. Very, very, uh, very good draft. Sweet. Um, so my first winner is the Atlanta Falcons. Honestly, this is a team that we've probably been a little hard on. Um, over these past few months, um, talking about the, the direction of their team, but um, this is a team that way overperformed last year and almost had an outside shot at making the playoffs, which is crazy um, for how weak this roster actually was. I think they did a really good job of just securing good players and areas of need for them. Um, at eight, they took Drake London, the first wide receiver, to come off the board was not my wide receiver one. I probably would have went Garrett Wilson if I was them. Um, but I really like London a lot. Um, think him, pairing him with Kyle Pitts, you can play big-time bully ball, um, big boy football, um, give Mariota some big targets to throw to, and they need it because um, this wide receiver group is just a fucking train wreck, honestly. Um, so they definitely hit a huge area of need going into next year, taking Drake London first. And then in this string of the next four picks, I really like what they did. They took Arnold Ebiketti, um from Penn State, the edge rusher, in the second round. Then they took Troy Anderson, which honestly may have been too early for him. Um, I think a couple guys – let me just look really quick. Um, I think like Harris and uh, – and Muma and some of those other guys went after him. Um, but this is like kind of like what they like to do on defense. They like to have good athletes in space. They have Deion Jones. So um, they did sign Rashawn Evans, So, but he's only on a one-year deal. So Troy Anderson will probably be in a rotation with them um, and then likely get starter snaps in, in 2023. Um, then they took Desmond Ritter uh, in the third round. I really like the value here. I thought they – might take um, a quarterback in that second round with one of those two picks that they had. Um, But after Pickett went first, um, they had their option of the second guy. I probably would have taken Malik Willis, but um, if you're higher on Desmond Ritter, you take your guy, you had the option to. And this gives them an opportunity to take a quarterback next year too. Um, They didn't 
give up too much. They didn't give up any capital for him. They don't have these huge op, these huge uh, first round options um, for Ritter. So I really like that. I think he might get some some playing time this year, honestly. Um, and then getting D'Angelo Malone also in the third round, um, guy who might be a little undersized, um, but he's got long arms. He's physical, and he's got he gives so much effort. Um, if you watch his tape, he's a really good player, and I like pairing him with Ebiketti on the on the outside. They needed some juice this defensive line. I think they had 18 sacks last year, which was lowest in the league. Um, and seven of those are gone uh, in the form of uh, Dante Fowler and, uh, and fail Okun. Um, so they almost had no pass rushers on this team. They really needed it. Um, so I think be- between London, Ebiketti, um, and Malone, I think that's a really good start for a team that, Honestly, this roster isn't that bad now. Um, their defense is, has got some guys, especially in that secondary with with AJ Terrell and Casey Hayward. Um, this could be another sneaky year for for the Falcons. Honestly, um, I don't know. What do you guys think? I mean, I'd be shocked if it's a if you know if it's a surprise year again. Uh, but I do agree with everything you said. They get a pass rush specialist in Epiquette. I think he went, you know, right around where he should have went as well. Agreed. And the the Ritter pick is just a no-brainer. I You can't not like it. He's just a guy who's going to work his absolute tail off and someone who has a ton of traits. He's, I mean, the, the ceiling is, you know, the ceiling, the ceiling is there is for the him. floor. Sure. It's, it's, I mean, that's probably true for him as well. But you, you love that. I, I, I was scared for them that they would draft someone at eight or even trade up back into the first and get a quarterback. Obviously, you know how horrible, I mean, this QB class is in, in my eyes. And I'm pretty sure that this podcast is pretty fucking spot on with this class. We, we all had Pickett one and we all said none of them besides Pickett deserve to be a first rounder. And here, here it went, but I agree. Cool. Uh, so Dean, we'll move on to your second winner. Who you got? Yeah, um, probably the consensus number one overall draft um, by most, especially all over Twitter and, you know, at the most accre- most, you know, accredited websites and sources. Uh, I'm going to go the Ravens and it's very easy to see that. Uh, I will first say that, you know, months and months ago, I was spot on when I said Kyle Hamilton would be out of the top 10. And I mean, I felt like in the moment it was being bold because everyone was saying he's consensus number one, which I thought was pretty ludicrous. But anyway, he's going to be a perfect fit for the middle of the, the Ravens defense, you know, and replacing Marcus Williams. I love that pick for them. You know, gritty could scale the field and I, I they're going to love that. It frees up a lot of what they like to do up front with uh, multiple, you know, blitz schemes and, sh- and stuff like that. And then, Oh my gosh, I can't say enough about it. this draft is actually bonkers. I mean, come, you know, come the fuck on. You get the best center at 25, Linderbaum, who's just a Ravens guy. We said this several times on this podcast. He's just a Ravens dude. He's going to sh- he's going to be a fucking anchor in the middle of that old line and help multiple ways in pass pro and in the running game which they love to utilize, one of the best running teams in the league. Then Ojabo at 45, yeah, he'll be hurt 
you know, for half, he most likely be out for half the season. doesn't matter if it's the whole season, in my opinion, just give this young raw talent to that, to that coaching staff. And I, I think great things are in store. I think he landed at the best possible spot and, and you got him at 45 in round two, which is perfect. Travis Jones at 76, the D tackle out of UConn. I mean, that's insane value. You know, he's, Again, another Ravens guys. These are all Ravens dudes. They're just fucking ginormous. I know Linderbaum's a little bit smaller, but these are just ginormous. And you have a legit the mountain. Mm-hmm. You, you pick the mountain. They picked the mountain from Game of Thrones at 110 and tackle. One, one more time. One more time. The mountain. The motherfucking mountain. If you haven't watched Game of Thrones, go fucking watch it, then come back to this pod. They picked Daniel Falele from Minnesota at tackle. 110, good value. And again, someone I see being utilized great in this on this Ravens team. And then from there, you got Jalen Amore Davis, the corner at Alabama at 119. Another fourth rounder, you got tight end Charlie Kohler at from Iowa State. At, one, at 130, the punter, Jordan Stout at a Penn State, go state. 139. I just want to touch on him just a tad. Um, I'm not entirely sure how he was taking this low. He's my tight end too. And I'll say it proudly. It's Isaiah Likely out of Coastal Carolina. I cannot wait because I definitely see him playing this year. And, you know, we know how pretty abysmal this wide receiver crew is now without Marquise Brown. You know, they just have, you know, Bateman there. Uh, I, I think he'll play a lot in either 12 personnel or, you know, or in trips and have one of them flexed out, which they do a lot with, with Mark Andrews. And I could see them doing with Isaiah Likely as well. Then 141 corner, Demarion Williams, and to round it out, Tyler Batty, which that's just a dope name. That's team all name at 196 in the sixth. Yeah. Hard hard to not like this draft. Um, There was a lot of talk about Lamar saying, what the fuck, when they traded Hollywood Brown. But apparently they had a meeting like the week before telling him that he was going to get traded and apparently a month before the draft too, Hollywood <laughs> requested a trade. So I don't know what the fuck they were talking about. They were doing it for, for the, uh, for the rest of the league and being like, Oh, look, look at these guys. Like it's a, it's a business when, when teams do it. But uh, when we leave teams, like you're a fucking shitty player, but uh, really, <laughs> I, we- I, I actually totally forgot. Thanks for reminding me. Sauce. there's one part of this that needs to be kind of put into the equation, in my opinion. Um, the fact that they turned Marquise fucking Brown. Yeah, I mean, like that's, that's the home run of the night. That was home run of the I actually, thank you. I totally forgot to bring it up. That's insane. They they basically trade Marquise Brown in what, like 111 for the 23rd pick, which, we, they, which they then turned around, traded back to the 25th, and I think got a, a late fourth back. I think they got one of the – They got 101 or 100, but like – it, it was so stupid because well, I'll, I'm going to talk about the Cardinals later with one of my with one of my other picks. But like, what the fuck are you doing? It makes more sense though when you think about uh, the Hopkins suspension. Like they knew that they had to know it. Yes, that 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 is very very true. That is very very true. They're kind of like a desperation thing. They wanted a proven guy. I get it. You know, he just broke a thousand yards. I just it just. Draft I mean, capital is all, and that's that and the Kyler Murray connection with him. It, it just it makes it's I definitely overpaid just because they have to pay him, but it makes and they way overpaid. They could have they could have 
made that same trade and got AJ Brown. It was literally the same trade. It was. I, yes, no, no. It may, it still makes sense for the Cardinals. I'm not going to, you know, slight them as much. Really? I'm just I saying, don't it's I don't get it. The Ravens, it's just perfect for them. They, they killed it. Yeah, it's great. And I think uh, a lot of people are saying that Linder doesn't really fit their scheme, but I think he's just too talented and it's fine. Just a fucking, oh. I just All right. So we'll, we'll, hands on him. <laughs> I want a picture we'll, of it sent to me. <laughs> okay. We're going to move on to Ray. Ray, who you got as your second winner? Uh, the real number one uh, draft class of the NFL. Uh, J.E.S. Jets, Jets, Jets. <laughs> yeah. uh, he is risen. Joe Douglas, the Messiah. Proving everyone <laughs> why we all love the man. Uh, it starts at <laughs> top with Sauce Gardner. Uh, wasn't the biggest fan of the pick originally. I mean, Sauce is my number one corner, number three overall player. I just love the Jets cornerback room as it is. I love Bryce Hall. Uh, love Brandon. I like Brandon Eccles. Don't love him. And um, but Sauce Gardner, he's going to be a true number one in this team, and it just pushes everyone down, and it just makes that cornerback group so deep. They go legitimately five deep now. He's bigger, he's longer, which is something we're kind of missing. Uh, he's going to be a great, great pro. I don't, I, I don't like the Revis comparisons already. Like, just give the kid a fucking break. He can't compare him to the best cornerback of all time, but he's going to be a great pro and fits the scheme perfectly. Uh, move on to 10. The guy I've been mocking here, every single mock draft I've ever done, I think. Uh, Garrett Wilson at 10. <laughs> I thought it was a disease, but it came true. My boy, when I when I when they said the, when I heard the guh go off, I just <laughs> I shot out of a goddamn cannon. I would have just I would have <laughs> I think I would have fought John Jones in that moment. And I probably would have done, done, done well. I was so fucking pumped up. Uh, I mean, what else more can I say about him besides what I haven't said already? All around wide receiver. Perfect scheme fit and plays so much bigger than listed at six foot. He's going to be a true number one on this team. And he, him and Elijah to go with Corey Davis, Barrios, and some of the other skill position players that we have. It's just, it was, it's a no brainer. This is, uh, I'll, I'll go on to the next pick first before I go on a little rant. Uh, then when all things seemed, the night seemed over, we're talking about Manger with his Photoshop picture on Hinge. Uh-huh. And what <laughs> do we know? The Jets move up to 26. You're going to blow my man's spot like that, though? I mean, I, after further review, it's, I did see it. chicks are on here listening. I don't think it was Photoshop, but it's still, he probably starved himself for a week. Uh, we'll go, we'll, we'll keep, besides the point. So, Jermaine Johnson, my edge three was falling. Joe Douglas said, fuck it. I'll try to trade him up for him for an hour. Finally gets up to one uh, to 26 and get him. Like I said, my edge three probably the most pro ready behind in Hutchinson as an edge rusher. He's going to come in right away and play 60. It'll be a prominent point uh, in that rotation that we have coming off the edge. And I would, wouldn't be surprised if, I, if he gets like eight to 10 sacks this uh, rookie year. Uh, then fast forward to day two. And this is probably the most questionable pick in my opinion of the draft, but after Joe Douglas's day one, you can't really argue with it. Uh, Brees Hall at pick, what was it, 36, 37, 36? Um, uh, 36, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I personally would have went with one of the uh, linebackers or safeties, but Lewis Senior was just off the board. Petrie wasn't the best fit. Uh, the linebackers, are, they're obviously high on our group already in Sherwood, Hamsa, Mosley, and uh, Quincy. Uh, and, and you get Brees Hall. A lot of people is running back one. He, he was a little lower on my board. I think I had running back three, but he's got the size, the speed, 
and he's tailor made for this system. He's got that patience behind the backfield. Him and Michael Carter form an immediate one-two punch, probably top 10 in the league at least, if I had to guess. Uh, and then to finish off day two, they go with the, another Buckeye, Jeremy Rucker, the Long Island native. Grew up a Jets fan. It, that video was really cool to see. And I love this pick for so many reasons. But most importantly, he's got the highest ceiling, in my opinion, out, out of all the tight ends in the class. He was my tight end too, but he's got a high floor. And what's perfect is that he's going to come in as their tight end three. He's not going to be expected to contribute right away for a position that's kind of hard to translate. He'll see the field. And if and when he blossoms, which I believe he will, they have room to wiggle with those two tight ends in uh, Conklin and Uzama ahead of them. They, I think they, the Conklin deal is realistically just a one-year deal. So if he, he shows they can cut him and use that money elsewhere, and then on day three, uh, they finish off the draft within like 20 minutes of day three, starting with Max Mitchell, the offensive tackle out of Louisiana, and Michael Clemens, the edge out of Texas A&M. Sorry about that. Uh, Max Mitchell, he, they needed to depth the tackle. It's probably the biggest weakness on the team, and I still would probably assume it is, besides maybe up the middle on D. But he's got the potential to develop into – a good right tackle. He's a really good run blocker. He works with uh, Duke Mannyweather uh, down in Texas, which I feel like the Jets always draft these tackles who work with him, which I love. They really do. And then uh, Michael Clemens, I wasn't really familiar with him, but when I was watching the Leal tape, he did flash. He's just super long off the edge, and he's got a really, really good motor. I know he has some injury concerns and off-the-field concerns, but this is someone who's going to be part of that defensive line rotation too one day, hopefully. And he, I think he has a lot of really high ceiling for the, where he was picked. It's a little risky with, like I said, with the injuries and stuff, but I mean, with the rest of that draft class, you can, you, in a, in a scheme that the jets have where they emphasize that rotation up front, can't hate it with getting a long versatile pass rusher like that. Yeah. Hard to complain about anything, honestly, especially after day one, like you said, and, I mean, I think one was the best, the best day draft day of my life. Yeah, that yeah. was it, that was amazing. When they traded up for that third first round pick, we that the room just went fucking crazy. Yeah, I was gonna wait to talk on it a bit, harp on it a bit more when uh, when we get to best best picks. But uh, I, I it's still surreal. I'm not gonna try and I, I just I want to not harp on it so much the Jets draft because I, I really don't want this to be you know, so much of a jet podcast. I, I don't think they had the best draft. They had the best first day though. Pussy. Agreed. Um, so we're going to get to my final winner here. Um, and it's another team, honestly, that we have bashed and, and media has definitely bashed about some of their moves in the past. It's the, it's the Seattle Seahawks. I really love what they did. Honestly, um, they were patient. They played the board. Well, they took guys at good spots and they got big areas of need that are going to contribute this year. Um, obviously their quarterback situation isn't figured out. Um, but after the trade with Denver, like you have two first round picks next year, you have two second round picks next year. Um, so they're fucking loaded. Um, so if, if these guys can develop, um, I think it'll be a really, really, bright future moving ahead for Seattle in this new era uh, post Russell Wilson. So start at the top. Um, they waited 
at nine, and they ended up getting Charles Cross, who is a really, really good tackle. Um, obviously, Seattle likes to pound the rock, um, and this guy is primarily a pass pro left tackle, but I think he's going to develop. I think he's going to be a really, really good left tackle for them. He slots in day one as your bookend left tackle, um, and he'll be there for for eight to ten years. Um and that was big for them because they didn't have a first round pick, honestly. So it was nice that they got back into the first round after the trade um, with their second pick from Denver um, in the second round. They took boy Mafe, a guy that I was really high on the, that this podcast was really high on. Um, he's another guy. They needed juice on the, on this defensive line so bad. Um, and I think he's going to come in and be an impact player right away. He's I think by far their best pass rusher that they have now. Um their front set, their front four was extremely, extremely weak. Um, their pick right after was my only um, area for pause. I guess they they picked uh, where were, they were at uh, at forty and forty one. They had back to back picks. They took Kenneth Walker. Um, he was my running back one. Um, I do really like Kenneth Walker, and this is a team that does pound the rock. But you just Gave uh, Rashad Penny his fifth-year extension. Um, it's obviously a two-back league now, and God knows what Chris Carson is up to right now, so he'll likely be phased out. Um, so I do think there's a big opportunity for Kenneth Walker to see a lot of touches in this offense. Um, personally, for me, I think they could have even doubled up on edge. Um, maybe you take a gap year with Ojabo there, or I really liked uh, Josh Pascal who went to the Lions uh, at 46. Um, they also needed more offensive line help. They could have went Cam Jurgens or or someone like that, or even a wide receiver. This is a team that had a lot of holes, They uh, especially with all the, the DK rumors coming out. Um, but I do think Kenneth Walker will contribute year one, and he'll be a good back for them. Um, and then these next three picks, I fucking love the value they got here. They got, they got Abe Lucas in the third round. Um, where all these offensive linemen were kind of hanging, hanging around. Um, I think he slots in as their day one right tackle, honestly, too. So you're getting your book and tackles for the, for the next eight to 10 years. Um, we're big. We're big. Abe Lucas uh, stand here on, on this podcast. Um, it is interesting, though. These are two like of the big pass pro tackles mm-hmm. um, of this class. And they both went to a predominantly running team. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it, it'll be interesting to see how they fit in this scheme. Um, but I think the value was too great there. I think he's going to be a really good player. Um, and I'll have time to develop, honestly. Um, and then the, the fourth round, they took Kobe Bryant, another guy that we were really high on, who was uh Defensive player of the year last year in in college. Defensive back of the year last year in college. Um, They did sign uh, Artie Burns and Sidney Jones this offseason, but they were both one-year contracts. So he and their fifth-round pick, Tariq Woolen, who some people were slating him in the first round a few weeks ago and a month ago, which was kind of crazy. They they were able to get Tariq Woolen in the fifth. Um, so both those guys, I think are going to play meaningful snaps and those guys could be their starting corners after, after this season. So you might end up having your bookend tackles from this draft, your two corners from this draft, um, boy, Mafe. And they also, I like to pick Tariq Smith too. guy had a play to Ohio state, played in a lot of big games, 
Um, and he played pretty well uh, during the senior bowl. He had some good reps against some good offensive linemen. Um, and I, he will be in that rotation too. Like I mentioned, um, they're really shitty front four. So they got a lot of good, they got a lot of good guys and all these guys are going to play uh, for Seattle. And then with those draft picks, like I mentioned next year coming up, if Drew Locke doesn't play that well this year, they have those picks to move up and uh, go get the quarterback of their choosing. So I really, really like what Seattle did, um, which is not something that we can say after uh, the Jamal Adams trade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Uh, I really love the cross. I really love the cross Boye and uh, Abe Lucas picks a lot. I thought those are just, I think those are three starters immediately and impact and players that they're going to be uh, building blocks for that. Hopefully quick rebuild for them. Right. Yeah. For, for me too. Also, I didn't even mention where, where they took Kenneth Walker. I thought that was possibly a spot for Malik Willis, but if they're saying, Hey, we feel comfortable with drew lock and we don't love this quarterback class and we like the one next year. Fuck it. We're taking a punt. Why waste a pick in the second round for him? Um, so I thought that could be a possible landing spot, but uh, as we've said in the past that this quarterback class was um, lackluster and they, they weren't worth these, these high draft picks and the NFL agreed. Um, so we are going to move on to our losers now. So Dean, give me your first loser. Yeah. Um, so, oh gosh. Oh, I love it. Okay. I'm going to like this. Okay. So I'm going to, <laughs> I'm going to assess this as unbiased as humanly possible, but I would, and I just kind of leaked it a little bit. I would definitely be lying to you. If I said, I'm, I, I was not going to enjoy this because I, I definitely will, but I'm going to say this in a complete unbiased way. And I know a lot of people on Twitter, even fans themselves and a ton of draft analysts are saying the same exact thing. So we're going to obviously be talking about the Pats. I mean, I, I mean, I know they have a pretty bad track record as far as drafting goes in the past decade, but it's actually horrible. It's pretty horrible. It's really bad for a team that was was so good. Last year's was solid for sure. But I mean, it's definitely official after this one. I, I, I guess you could have said maybe a screw is loose, but it's not. It's, the screw is fucking off and it got stuck in the gears and now it's fucking it's brutal. It really is. It's just it's crazy when we're going to talk about a draft where the best player, the best pick they probably had is Cole Strange at 29, which is unanimously the biggest reach of the first round, without a doubt, out of, out of UC Chattanooga. Um I mean, he's going to be a guy who I see as a solid starter. I had him out of my out of my top five interior alignment, and I'm pretty sure most did. But, I mean, you got to shake your fucking head at this. You really Wrong. do. Sorry, I was muted. Wrong. Not top five. All right, fuck you. Not, you, not right. unanimous. Wrong. Incorrect. But keep going. <laughs> no, I said he was unanimously. Uh, I No, I said for most. Um. Anyway, then they go in the second round, they go pick 50, Tyquan Thornton at a Baylor, which I'll go into a little bit later. Round three, they get Marcus Jones, which I do think is, was a solid pick, even though he's a small corner and doesn't really fit what they like to do a lot. He is a solid corner the, uh, out of Houston. Uh, they had Jack Jones, corner out of Arizona State at 121. Uh, just want to put out a disclaimer out there. If you don't know any of these fucking guys, don't worry. No one knows any of them either. Uh, running back Pierre Strong Jr. At, at 127. At 137, they get 
a potential QB three, I guess, solid pick in the fourth with QB Bailey Zappi out of Western Kentucky. They get running another running back, Kevin Harris, which they already have solid running backs. They just got Ramondre Stevenson last year and they have Damian Harris, who's a beast. 183 in round six, they get edge Sam Roberts at a Northwest Missouri state at pick 200 at 210. They have Chasen Hines, the guard and at 245 in the seventh, they have Andrew Stuber, the tackle. I mean, I understand completely. I'm not even going to go deeper into any of these guys. I went into Marcus Jones. I'll get into Tyquan Thornton later. And I I get wanting to get your guys. I I actually love it. I I talked about it with, with the Texans when they picked their guys, even though I thought they were a little bit of a reach. I still think they had a great draft, but you have to play the game to some degree. There is a game within the draft and someone needs to recommend draft day with Kevin Costner to Billy boy. It's they wasted 10 fucking picks. It needs to happen. I'm not going to go deeper in this because no one fucking knows half of these guys. I'm done by the way. (laughs) And that's it. That's it. Fucking that's it. I, I, I did enjoy that, but that was a complete unbiased report. Okay. We, <laughs> we can move on. A uh, little bit of technical <laughs> difficulties. <laughs> um, Ray, give me, uh, give me your first loser. Uh, my first and biggest loser, in my opinion, is going to be the Jacksonville Jaguars. And that's tough to do when you have the number one overall pick, but I, I mean, when you take the fourth, my fourth edge rusher and my fifteenth best player at number one, I think it's it's already going to start bad. It's and to be honest, it got a little bit more questionable. But when you start with number one overall pick, Aiden Hutchinson on the board and at a position that you're about to take, I don't understand how you don't take him. I think he has just as high as a floor, and uh, and maybe not as high as a, he has a higher floor. Let me say that, and I guess he's not doesn't have as high as a ceiling, but. I think Aiden Hutchinson is going to be a really good player for a long time. And you're taking an edge who really hasn't shown the ability to pass rush yet. It's just a little bit of a question mark to me. I know he's a physical freak and killed the combine, but at the end of the day, I think pass rush moves are a lot. I think the ability to get to the quarterback is harder to develop than a lot of people think. And then to uh, they traded up into the first round at 27 to get Devin Lloyd. I like the player. My, he was my line, my linebacker three, but they just cut Miles Jack, a, a kind of a similar player, I guess you can say, and then they just signed uh, a Lokun for three years, forty-five mil, and you're going to do a trade up and get another off-ball linebacker, and then not even that, then in the third round you're going to take another off-ball linebacker and Chad Muma, just a weird, um, weird thing to double, double and triple dip on. I'm not, in my opinion, in today's game, and then at sixty-five you go Luke Fortner. And I mean, my, I think interior offensive lineman four or five, Dylan Parham was still on the board. I, I know maybe it's not the best scheme fit for Parham, but I think he held up against power a lot better than people give him credit for. And he has that uh, center guard versatility. And then you go uh, in the fourth or fifth round, fifth round, I believe, and get Snoop Connor when you already have uh, James Robinson and Travis Etienne in that backfield. And you get a running back who, I mean, they passed up on Ford, I know. They passed up on Cryon Williams. They passed up on some other backs who are a little bit more well-known. I guess they like the power and short yardage for Snoop Connor, but there's a little questionable. 
And then to round out their draft, uh, Gregory Jr. and Montaric Brown. Don't know anything about those guys, but so I'm not going to talk shit about them. But just overall, just a questionable uh, draft for the Jaguars, in my opinion. Yeah, honestly, like, how are you not taking Hutch at one? Like, what are you doing? Baco. What are you doing? Like, you you just saw what a catastrophe it was having Urban Meyer on your team. And you're trying to set up Doug Peterson, who also, you're a first-time, not a first-time head coach, but first year with this team. And the way they won in Philly was behind this offensive line. I, I wouldn't have even hated it if they took Icky or Evan Neal at one over Trayvon Walker. But he, at a press conference right before the draft, said that he wasn't going to have any input on this draft. You're the first year as the head coach of this team – how are you not going to speak your mind on how you want this football team to be built? Super Bowl it, I, winning head coach. Fucking crazy. Yeah, a Super Bowl winning head coach that, that goes to a team that's been a fucking abysmal. Um, crazy. I, I like Devin Lloyd, but I think the trade-up was was a weird spot for them. I don't think they needed him. And then to double down on Muma, it's all guys I like, but I think they just went about this draft in such, such the wrong way. Um, I agree with you. I think they're a loser, honestly. And I don't know how how much better they got this year. They they added guys, but like, does it fit? I don't know. It's do a week. Mean? They have like five wide receiver threes, bro. <laughs> Dude, Trevor Lawrence sure. is gonna is gonna pop off. I love it. I love it. All right, so we'll go to my first loser. Um, I have the Chicago Bears as my first loser. It's another team, just an insanely questionable draft and the way they went about it. Um, so they obviously didn't have a first after trading with the Giants last year to move up for Justin Fields, which is all good and well. You get your quarterback of the future. But as we've said so many times on this podcast, you have to support your young quarterbacks. You just have to. And this is the first first draft for, for Ryan Poles and, and – uh, Matt Eberflos, and what they do with those two second-round picks that they had, they went corner, and then they went safety. Um, really weird, honestly. Two good players. They took Kyler Gordon um, and then Jaquan Brisker with those two picks, and I guess it's like area of needs. You have, I think, Kyler Gordon probably slides in opposite of uh, – of Jalen Johnson, which is like a pretty nice pairing. And then you have Brisker sliding in next to Eddie Jackson on the back end. But this team and Justin Fields in particular needed wide receiver help. They needed offensive line help so bad. This offensive line sucks so bad. It's actually a joke. And this wide receiver room might be worse than the Falcons wide receiver room, which is hard, which is hard, honestly. Um, I think they would have been so much better served if you go Pickens or Sky Moore with with one of those picks, and then um, I don't know, maybe you take Cam Jurgens or, or anybody else on that offensive line that would have helped. Um, and then they came back in the third round, and they took Vilas Jones. Vilas Jones, if you watch his highlights, they're absolutely insane. He is electric with the ball but he's not really a wide receiver. He's a punt returner at best, honestly. He'll get he'll get on the field, um, 
what they did was they did the exact same thing with Devin Hester and he never sustained a legit wide receiver role. Um, and they needed one so bad. Um, cause if you go pickings with one of those picks or sky Moore or one of those other receivers in the third round, after they took Vailis Jones, even if they didn't go offensive line in the second round with one of those other picks, which I would have in the third round after Vailis Jones, Abe Lucas went, Bernard Raymond went, um, there were a couple other guys. Parham went, uh, Sean Ryan went like crazy guys that could have helped your team. Um, and I just think it's a really, really tough look for them. They didn't, they took an offensive tackle in the fifth round, Braxton Jones, and they took a whole slew of guys, honestly, that I've never heard of. Um, but a really weird draft, honestly, for Chicago and Justin Fields has got to be feeling absolutely miserable. Um, so Chicago, my first loser. Yeah, the fact they didn't go try to support Fields is uh, pretty wild. Guy was running for his fucking life. Legitimately. The, uh, every game, running for his life and nobody to throw to. Uh, I mean... I guess maybe they're thinking they can like try to beef up that D so they can establish their run game a little bit more, but that offensive line is miserable. They, I, mean, I don't understand how they didn't invest uh, like high-quality assets in the offensive line. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean beefing up that defense. Also, like, also be helping the run game as well. I, I don't know. I think they did, they did allow the most passing touchdowns in, in their franchise history um, or second most in their franchise history last year. So I guess they – they did have areas of need in that in that secondary, but fuck, offense wins championships. Honestly, everybody's seen it in the past few years. Um, all right, so we'll go to uh, to our second losers, Dean. What do you got? Yeah, um, give me one second. So <laughs> I'm gonna have a lot of unhappy friends after they hear this episode because I'm gonna have to go. G-men. Uh, I'm going to refrain from using the word loser and I wanted to be different. So I'm going to use the word questionable. I'm no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to dispute that they got a home run on the first day by getting two prime pro- prospects at two glaring needs that are two prime positions. They got Tibbs, obviously the edge out of Oregon, very, very, very highly touted a five star and has all, all the skill set that you could possibly want. And he's going to be obviously be opposite disease on the edge. And then you get Neil at seven, the tackle out of Bama. Again, another highly touted guy. And he's going to, you're going to plug him in right away at right tackle opposite of, you know, another bookend at the opposite of Andrew Thomas. And I love that. You're definitely, that helps you know, really sure up and sure up that old line and gives Danny Dimes, you know, some time back there. I love that. But, you know, very exciting pieces. But what in God's name happened with those next nine picks? They they had 11 picks. And I, I have friends who are G-Men fans, and they texted me as well saying, what the fuck? Who the hell is that guy? And I couldn't agree more. I mean, at 43 in round two, where I thought they would address wide receiver, considering that they have Tony and they have a ton of injury concerns, they go and get the 5'8", 28-inch armed Wandale Robinson. Uh, with Mechie, Pickens, Pierce, and Sky Moore still on the board. Sky Moore is a 
much better Wandell Robinson. Again, I liked Mechie a lot. I had him higher than most. Pickens I'm not high on, but would love to see him there. Ton of grit. Pierce as well. Out of Cincy. He showed that he could be really, really good and very fast as well. Has a lot more size, obviously, than Wandell Robinson, and that's not saying much. And then after that, they go guard Joshua Azudu with, again, ton of ton of guys out there at 67 in the third round. They get cornerback Cordell Flott out of LSU at 81. I actually had to go and watch his tape again because I definitely did not devote a ton of time to it at all. And it was pretty, pretty brutal. I know that uh, he stepped up from his 2020 season, which was brutal, but he still did not look good in, in a progression year. They took tight end Daniel Bellinger at 112 out of San Diego state. Again, with a ton of good guys out there, I would have loved Isaiah likely there who could be a true Y or flex out Dane Belton, the safety at 114, 146. I mean, these are all pretty high picks. Micah McFadden, linebacker. They went interior D-line with DJ Davidson at 147, the pick right after. Then they go Marcus McKethan, the guard, and linebacker Darian Beavers out of Cincy at 182 with their last pick. Uh, I I would like you guys to fill in. I'm going to I'm gonna leave Ray with the Joshua, Joshua Zudu uh, duty when we get to worst picks in the draft. And I, I all, all I could do is scratch my head. This guy fucking serious. Yeah, what the fuck? Whatever. I, I'm gonna just gonna I'm just gonna scratch my head and keep scratching it. I, I have no idea what they did after that. I, I just still can't believe that they could throw up such a goose egg after that. That they have a good amount of glaring needs as much as any other team, and you know, they're rebuilding, and I'd be shocked if any of those picks past the first round help a lot at all yeah it's uh it's tough after such a strong day one i am higher on on wandale than you are um but not ahead of some of those other guys i think he will be i think he will be a, a good player for them he's fucking electric honestly um and obviously there's some uncertainty about uh Kadarius tony and I mean, and, 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 and if Kadarius is actually going to still be a giant, you're scratching your head even more. I mean, I think that, the, I think they'll probably end up parting ways with with Sterling Shepard after uh, possibly after this year, and and he'll fill in that spot in the slot. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. Just too many they questionable a picks. Wide receiver. They they why get a gadget guy for for Danny Dimes? Danny Dimes needs a, another re- reliable guy out there. Yeah, I think he's more than a gadget guy, but um, I'm I'm with you in just the area that that they've picked him. That's what it'll be, to be completely honest with you. Yeah, it is what it is. Um, all right, Ray, give me uh, give me your second loser. Yeah, this one's kind of hard for me because I think they're one of the uh, best organizations in football, but I have to go with the Saints. Uh, just a little questionable. To start off, they trade up for Olave, who I love the player, but essentially they're trading a one next year a two the following year, and a three to go up to get this guy on a team that doesn't really have a franchise quarterback of the future. I mean, I know they signed Jameis for two years, but let's be real. He's been uh, up and down so far, and he's coming off that injury. Love the player, just a little questionable pick. And then they followed up at 19 and go Trevor Penning, which I feel like these two picks were everyone projecting pre-draft, but 
Trevor Penning, I know they lost Armstead and they need to go get a tackle, but I just don't see him fitting playing left tackle in the NFL. I just don't see him like especially right away. I think there's a lot of uh, holes in his pass protection in his pass protection. I think he would have been better suited at right tackle too in the NFL, to be honest. And from going from Armstead to him, it's it's gonna be a little bit of a drop-off. And for a team that I think is hoping to compete this year, just a little weird. And then in the second round, they go Alante Taylor. He's a corner for Tennessee in college, converted wide receiver. A lot of people think he's going to be safety, but you take him to replace Marcus Williams over someone like Brian Cook, Nick Cross, Kirby Joseph, all guys who have played safety, great athletes, and have production. I just think it's a little bit of a weird pick. And then DeMarco Jackson and Jordan Jackson finish off the draft on day three. Can't really complain about those too much. I like DeMarco Jackson as like a uh, linebacker prospect. He'll be, he'll contribute on that team, but it's just overall a five pick draft. I guess they're going for it, but next year you're not gonna have a first. I could see this team kind of being in the same spot, and it's just a, and with no first, it's just yeah, it's kind of have no direction. Yeah, I'm with you, Dean. What do you think about uh, the Saints draft? You're on mute, my guy. I was gonna say I I don't disagree. I don't I don't think they would they'd be more in the questionable uh they'd be more questionable for me than losers for sure. I'm extremely high on Trevor Penning. I think 19 is perfect, and I think he can be a left tackle. And then I love that Chris Olave pick. I, I know that trading up is a little too aggressive, but again, another get your guy moment. And I think that could be electric pairing between him and Michael Thomas. I like that they knew that wide receivers were going to go on a crazy run there. And I don't think he would have obviously been to them at 16 or 17. Um, no, 16, right? Yeah, the, that was the pick. So I I like that. Alante Taylor, I had his, uh, my actually, I believe my 10th corner. And I don't hate it. Again, I think that's too high for him. So I, I definitely agree with Ray. And... I mean, there's only five picks. I, I would definitely say questionable, but I still like that first day, to be honest with you. All right. Sounds good. Um, so we'll go to my final loser, and I got the Washington Commanders as my last team, um, a team that was extremely strapped for draft capital. Um, after the Carson Wentz trade, they gave up a two and a three for him. Um, so going in, um, we had always mocked or me personally, I had always mocked Kyle Hamilton going there. I thought that would have been a really, really good fit for him. Um, and a guy that would have made an impact, uh, on their defense right away. They ended up trading out, which I also think was a great move for them because they just needed to recoup some capital. Um, so they moved out and the saints slid in for Olave. They sent 11 and then they got back. They moved to 16. They got back 98. Uh, in the third and then 120 in the fourth. So I thought a really good move. And then they take Jahan Dotson at 16. I really like Jahan Dotson. Um, but they, they traded out of 11 after Garrett Wilson was taken. And then there's a run on wide, and they let the run of wide receivers go 11 and 12 with Olave and Jamison Williams. And then they took a wide receiver. So if they were going to take a wide receiver, I don't know. I didn't get the move. I thought 
they really could have traded back again and still got Dotson. Um, I think that would have been a great move for them to recoup more capital and still get their guy. Then the rest of the their next couple picks are, are really questionable too. They take Fedarian Mathis, the defensive tackle from Alabama. He's a good player, and you notice him on film. It's tough because every team that Alabama plays is triple teaming Will Anderson, so he does get um, some one on ones uh, at Alabama. But I think he had I think he had nine sacks last year. Or he had he had ten tackles for loss, but nine of them were sacks. That's crazy. That's just a guy who's not getting pressure for you up the middle. Mm-hmm. And I also don't think it was a big area of need for them. He's not gonna. Uh, they already said Deron Payne will likely be gone next year, so I guess he'll slide in. Um, but with with Chase Young, Montez Sweat, and and Jonathan Allen, who they paid too, it's just not an area of need. Their front four is way good enough to get by, even if they lost Deron Payne, they didn't take somebody. And they took him ahead of Travis Jones, even if they were going to go de-tackle. I think Travis Jones is a, is a better player. Um, but honestly, if they just held, uh, they could have taken um, a Hamilton. They, they wouldn't have gotten this, this pick back, but um, I don't know. It was really, really questionable. Them moving to the third round, they took Brian Robinson, who's the running back from, from Alabama, who's fine. I'm not so high on him, honestly. Um, and honestly, their offensive line isn't great enough to play to his strengths where he needs blockers to get him set up and he can run through holes. Um, some guys that I think they could have used, they could have used a linebacker really bad, honestly. Um, and Tyndall and Leo Chanel went after Brian Robinson in that third round. Um, so kind of questionable there. Percy Butler, the safety out of Louisiana, was a need, too. He was the best one available. Um, but I think waiting in that second round, they, they could have had Brisker, too, at, at safety. It was a big need. I think the only thing they really got right, um, they waited and waited for this quarterback class to fall, and they took Sam Howell in the fifth round, which um, I'm not the biggest Sam Howell fan, um, but for a fifth-round flyer, um, who knows what the fuck Wentz looks like, Heineke's probably on his way out. Um, I like that. I like that spot for him and him with Terry and, and with Dotson. Those are two good guys that can go get his, his deep balls. Apparently people are saying this Chris Paul guy that they took in the seventh round, a guard is a really good player. Um, so maybe that'll be a steal in the seventh round for him. But I think the move they made back and still taking Dotson at 16 is really questionable. Taking a defensive tackle in the second round is really questionable. Not an area of need. And they, a lot of good players were still out there and then taking a running back when I think there were better running backs behind him and Damian Pierce or Pierre strong or, or one of those other guys. I think he probably should have been a fifth round pick. Um, so for me, Washington is my second loser. No, I, I don't I don't have a ton to add on that, honestly. I think you really hit it on the head. I, I don't really – I agree with you. I'm a little puzzled that they went and got a short yardage guy at a position that is not a need for them uh, at 98. Uh, I, I was thinking optimistically because I love Jahan Dotson, even though I see him as a back end of the first guy. If, that, if that's their guy, that's their guy. Maybe they knew that – you know, that was the wide receiver they wanted to take over even 
Jameson and Olave. I mean, we've seen crazier, but I thought that third round pick would be utilized better. And especially that second round pick, I could not agree more. If that second round pick was like a brisker and that third round pick was a, a $10 Leo Chanel, I feel like. How much they, better do you feel about that draft coming away? I feel like I mean, that draft turns into a, a, a borderline winner. So I, I, mean, I agree with you. I think they, I think they definitely missed up. Just, messed go, up. just going back on the Dotson thing, like, I get it if that's your guy, that's your guy, and you take him there. But the only other wide receiver that went after him in the first round was Traylon Burks. So, like, could you have moved back? Maybe they tried, and and they just couldn't get get any uh, trade partners. It's, it's likely because the Jets were trying to trade up, and they couldn't get anybody um, when they wanted to move up for Jermaine Johnson. So maybe there was just nothing available for them. Um, but I just don't love the value at 16. I really like the player, but – just don't love it at 16. Yeah, that for Darian Matthew, uh, Mathis pick, I was actually going to – I was debating about putting that as my uh, least favorite pick of the draft. It's guy. pretty crazy. It's weird because they, they're so deep on their front four too, and it's like he – I know like, like Travis Jones, I know a lot of people are saying the off-field stuff and the lack of effort may have like kicked him down a little bit, but just a questionable pick. And He, he only had one year of production. I mean, did a nine sacks last year, but like I said – he had 10 tackles for loss and nine of them are sacks. This guy's just not getting pressure on like in the run game. They, they, they love those Alabama defensive linemen though. They really do. They really do. All right. So we're going to go to our best picks, worst picks. Dean, give me your best pick of the night. I think we know oh, where we're going here, but. Oh my gosh. I'm getting, I'm getting the chills thinking about it. I really am. But, but I, it's going to be Jermaine Johnson at 26 to the jets. It has to be, uh, I mean, I am a Jets fan. We all are on this podcast. I'm sure you guys know that by now. But when they traded back in, I was flipping, flipping out, obviously anticipating it be Jermaine Johnson. When it came in as Jermaine Johnson, let's just say I started absolutely assaulting one of our good friends. Shout out Nikki P. This guy has a relentless motor, great size amazing first step and again like ray said he's going to be you know 50 60 snap guy and the jets go from a brutal d line that almost manufactured negative pressure last year to with carl lawson being back and now you got jermaine johnson to kind of do a nice little rotation with jfm john franklin myers they now they have a d line that could actually facilitate Salah's defense, and all I could say is bust. Love it. Dean, Not uh, busting as a player, but me busting as a person. Love it. Yeah, I think we can all agree. Uh, just an unbelievable value, and a, he'll be a great player uh, yeah. for us next also, year. Also, my edge three, just like Gray. I had him a tick, a tick below Thibodeau. I wouldn't have even absolutely hated the pick of him at four. I, I still can't believe it happened. Yeah, so Dean, give me your uh, give me your loser now too. I right, cool. Uh, my loser is going to be at number fifty. It's going to be it's going to be uh, I mean the ultimate head scratcher, and I think the worst pick of the draft almost I, I by a long shot almost it has to be Tyquan Thornton. And for those who can't see, my uh, Zoom name is Tyquan Thornton's hands. Um, I always <laughs> like to make a Zoom name that. Uh, reciprocates what I'm thinking in the moment. And those hands can't catch. They can't. I get it. I get the appeal of they need speed at wide receiver. And 
they go get a guy who's in the four twos. Woo. Good for you. He can't even catch the fucking ball. It's so I, funny because they don't need speed at wide receiver. <laughs> I think they need speed at wide receiver for sure. They have no separation. I, I mean, I'm, I'm saying that as something that needs to be correlated into separation. So I, I apologize for not, I guess, going deeper, but it's just, it, it makes no sense. Uh, the guy like fights with the ball when it comes at him. He's not, he's not a pure catcher. And I feel like they would sheer, you know, they would go away from that. They need, they need to help Mac. They didn't help Mac at all. They might've made it worse on Mac potentially if this guy can't catch a ball or even see the field, which I feel being kind of possible. And he was at pick 50, obviously, you know, you guys know the guys we went over who went after and it's nuts. What went after was what sky Moore, David Pick, Bell, Pickens, Pickens, Mech, Mechie went before. Pierce, yeah. Pierce, Jalen Tolbert, Khalil Shakir, just bonkers. But yeah, that's that's my worst. Yeah, I may end up regret saying this, but do the Patriots not have the the least talented roster please, in the please. in the AFC East? Don't say it. Do not say it because they're going to win the AFC East now. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> slanders really. If they win this the roster AFC, kind of kind of blows, honestly. They win the AFC East. I feel like this is almost a challenge. I think Bill challenged the NFL. I feel like Bill was like, "I want to have a high school roster. We're going to win with a high school roster." I, I feel like he's just trying so hard to prove that it was all him and not Tom. That that's what this sees. That that's what I see when I when I see this draft. Yeah, let, let's look, move on because we're definitely tough, tough look now, but. uh Obviously, everything ends on the field, inside the lines. Um, so we will see. Ray, give me your winner and then your loser. Yeah, so my favorite pick is going to be Khalil Shakir, uh, fifth round, 148 overall to the Bills. I think this is way too low for him. I thought he was going to be an end-of-the-day-two guy. I just love the player. I think he's got inside-outside versatility, really good route runner, and he even has some juice with the ball in his hands. I know he's a little undersized, but – I think uh, he, he's gonna. He'll see the field this year, and I think he'll once that Jamison Crowder deal I think comes off the books next uh, after this season, he'll be a great slot receiver for that team. I really love the pick, and I hate to say it because fuck the Bills, but love it. And then uh, going straight to lose the worst pick or my least favorite pick that uh, Joshua Azudo pick by the Giants when we when they picked him fast, we were all like, "What the fuck?" Like, I don't know who this guy is. Uh, another person who was picked ahead of Dylan Parham in that interior offensive line group. I mean, maybe they know that. I mean, Shane may know something that we don't, but it was just questionable. I know a lot of people are saying it too. He, they, they had him ranked like a, a day three guy. So I don't know. Maybe we'll see. Maybe he'll turn out to be a uh, little diamond in the rough and everyone just doesn't know what the fuck they're talking about, but definitely a head scratcher on uh, day two of the draft. Yeah completely agree and we we've harped on the giants so uh we'll we'll leave them we'll leave them there for the time being um so so my my best pick of the night um was nicobe dean and it was a team that we didn't mention in our winners but i think philly is clear winners um in this draft um came away with with jordan davis and then the big trade for aj brown to support um jalen hurts was just a really great move and honestly I thought Dean or or Lloyd would have been great for them um, in the first round, honestly. Um, 
they needed linebackers so bad. They needed speed behind this front four. Um, and Nicobe Dean with, with his uh, pectoral issue, declining to have surgery, but everything that the Eagles are saying is that they're not worried about it at all and that he won't even miss games, which is pretty crazy to just put out there already. But I think even if he does miss games, it doesn't matter. They got him at 83. I mean, this is not the 83rd best player in the draft. This guy is a top 20 player, um, and he's going to have a great impact on this team. And they stayed patient. They let Anderson go. They let uh, Osamoa go. They let Muma, Harris, all after Devin Lloyd went in the first round. Um, And they got their guy in the third round, and it's just going to be really, really nice for Eagles fans to have a a middle linebacker in uh, in that defense for them. Um, so then for my worst pick, this isn't the worst pick in the draft, but maybe my most interesting pick and one I didn't like was Trey McBride for the Arizona Cardinals at 58. Um, I really like the player in Trey McBride, but he gave up the same amount. This, this is just compounding, honestly, after the Marquise Brown trade. Um, you gave up the same amount for Marquise Brown as you did for A.J. Brown, as the Eagles did for A.J. Brown. Um just to keep Kyler happy when probably just giving him an extension would have kept them happy and they didn't have to make this move. Uh, but you come back and you take a tight end um, after they gave Ertz a contract last year and they traded capital for him after they re-signed Max Williams to a one-year deal who played well for them before he got hurt. Um, this is a team that ran less than 20%, 12 personnel. They like to spread it out. Um, so maybe he fills that role when Max Williams is gone the year after. Um, but this is a team that likes speed down the field. Um, and I think they could have waited, um, for a different linebacker and one who fit their scheme a little better. Um, I think they just really miss not taking an offensive lineman. Um, think that would have really helped their situation and Kyler way more where they took him at 58. I mean, all these guys went in the third round, but like we said, Parham, Ryan, Abe Lucas, um, T. Freire, Fortner all went in the third round. All these guys I think would have had, even Raymond would would have had a bigger impact um, than, uh, than Trey McBride. So this is my least favorite pick of the night. Um, little, little spice to end. How you guys feeling? Yeah, no, I like that. That one's different for sure. All right. So that'll wrap it up for us here on Between Two Tackles. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you for listening during this entire draft process. It's been a lot of fun for us, um, and it's been something that we've talked about doing for a while, and we are going to continue to keep doing. So stay tuned for Season 2. We're probably not going to be doing our weekly pods um they're going to come to an end but we're coming up with a little process of, of how we can uh can keep you guys involved and keep the content coming and a, a little schedule moving forward at least in the next few weeks so uh we'll try to get you guys all things draft all things NFL leading into the 2022 2023 season as always please rate and subscribe to the pod and follow our twitter at between two tackles with the number 2 and stick with us as we finally get to the NFL season fellas Appreciate you. Appreciate all your hard work during the off during uh, this draft season. We did it. It's here. Now we got to do it on the field, right? Yeah. Let's fucking go. 2023 mocks are already fucking looking them up. Let's <laughs> get after it. <laughs>